Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Will you join me in prayer as we ask the Lord to be our, our teacher? Lord, we are reminded as we sang that every breath we breathe is a gift from you. We're reminded that when you created the first man out of the dirt, you breathed life into him. We're reminded that the word for spirit used for the Holy Spirit is also the same word as breath. We thank you that we have the Holy Spirit. We have God's breath living in us. And Lord, we pray that we would in turn use every breath as an offering to you. Lord, as we study your word, we pray for the Holy Spirit to breathe upon us, for him to teach us, for him to guide us in the word, for him to speak through me words that are true and honoring to Jesus Christ that will shape our lives. Lord, we pray for those who are joining us online. We're grateful for a worldwide church, for churches that are meeting all over the world, both in person and in their homes online. We pray that your church would continue to flourish and to grow and to expand. Lord, that you'd help us as individuals as well as the body of Christ to live well for Jesus Christ during these challenging times. We continue to pray especially for our children as they adapt and adjust to new ways of living and going to school and relating to friends. Lord, help us to guide our children well into the next era. Lord, we pray for our children that they'd walk with Christ and represent you. Speak, Lord, to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Andrew and Zoe were a handsome couple. Andrew was muscular, kind of that one of those sculpted bodies, and part of that was natural, and part of it was because he just labored all the time outside, working the land. And he had kind of a dark bronze skin, and you couldn't tell whether that was his natural hue or just from working outside. And his wife, was Zoe, was drop-dead gorgeous. And they were a wonderful couple. They loved each other. They laughed. They played. They worked. They laughed some more. And they loved the Lord Jesus Christ, and they loved God, and, and they had a great relationship with God. And Andrew and Zoe lived simple lives, but they had really everything that they, they wanted, they had, living off the land, and they were really kind of that perfect couple. And they talked about starting their own family, and they were looking forward to that, but before they could start their own family, their world was rocked. It was changed forever. Their perfect marriage had new challenges, and so would the family that they had yet to start. Their lives were never going to be the same. Andrew and Zoe lived at the start of the first worldwide pandemic. And though the population of the earth was quite small at that time, the pandemic affected everyone on the planet, and everyone contracted the disease and everyone died from it. The fatality rate was 100% affecting 
the youngest all the way to the oldest, octogenarians and beyond. And the cure was promised by the government, but it would take ages for the cure to be realized. Today we're going to continue in our new series entitled A World in Crisis, and as we do so, before we learn some new lessons, I want to review some things that we talked about last week. And last week we asked the question, where are we headed? It's a world in crisis, but where exactly are we headed? And although I gave you a to-do list, one of my friends who listened to the sermon said, you never actually told us where we're headed. (laughs) You might have told us how to get there, but you didn't tell us where we are going. And I guess I just assumed we knew. Or maybe I didn't even think of answering the question. I'm not sure. My bad. So let me remind you where we are headed as a way of review and then review how to get there. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, if you've been here any time, you've heard me say this, but I will say it again because it bears repeating again and again. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, we have the plan. Not a plan, not man's plan, certainly not the devil's plan, but God's plan, which is the plan. And if you know the plan, everything else that happens in the world, including a pandemic, falls into place and makes sense. If you don't know the plan, then nothing really makes sense. And that is why atheistic evolutionists who don't know the plan don't see how things fit together and think there's no design, that there's no designer, that there's no purpose to what's going on. It's basically chaos. What a sad way to live and a sadder way to die, not knowing the plan. But there is a plan. It's in Romans 8, 29. God gave it to us. He wrote it down. And it says, For whom he, God, foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. That's the plan. Now, most English translations have this word predestined, and it's a Greek word, proorizo. It's a compound Greek word, but if you look it up in a Greek dictionary, the first definition of this word is actually not predestined, but predetermined. And that's quite different. It means when you predetermine something is to plan ahead. It's the plan. And it says here that God has a plan, and he has it for you and for me. And he's always known this plan. So here's the plan. If you're taking notes, if you're watching online, there's an outline posted online for you. The plan, God's plan, what he has predetermined to happen is for you to be like Christ. For you to be like Christ. That's the plan. Conformed to the image of his son. Everything is moving you and me toward that goal. Now, most Christians are more familiar with Romans 8.28. Unfortunately, most Christians don't understand the context, and most of them have perhaps been taught an inaccurate view of what Romans 8.28 is actually about. Romans 8.28 tells us, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. And most of us Americans define good in that verse as something that makes us happy. A better job when you lose your job. A better house when you lose that house. A better spouse, perhaps, when you lose your spouse. 
But the good in the context is not about making you feel good or making me feel good. It's about making us be good. Not making us feel better, but making us be better. The good, as we've seen in verse 29, is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the good. And all things in the context of Romans is suffering. And he's saying all things, but the context is suffering, are worked together to conform you to the image of Christ. That's the good, the ultimate good. That's the plan. That's where we're headed. And that's God's plan for your life. And when you understand that, everything else makes sense, even a worldwide pandemic. God's desire, God's plan is to use the current pandemic to conform you to Jesus Christ. It's not a bump in the road. It's not a hiccup. It's not a detour. It's something he's using to conform us to Jesus Christ. That's the plan. So let me ask you, don't answer out loud. How's it going? You online, how's it going? (laughs) So last week's question, where are we headed? The answer is, of course, we're headed toward Christ-likeness. That is God's plan. And last week, we learned a principle. I'm going to add a principle to that. But principle number one, we learned that you redeem the season that we're in, the epoch, when you follow God's plan, not the devil's plan for this season or epoch. And God's plan, the plan we saw, is in Romans 8.29 for us to be conformed to the image of Christ, to become like Jesus. Now, I'd like to give you a second principle. Not only should you redeem the season by following God's plan, but a second principle is this. Remember that spiritual growth only happens in the present. Spiritual growth only happens in the present. You you can't grow yesterday, today. (laughs) You can't grow tomorrow, today. You only grow spiritually in the present. Now is when you should be spiritually growing, not later, And you don't say, well, I already grew spiritually. I don't need to grow now. You can only grow spiritually now, in the present. And you and I are moving presently in the direction of perfection, of becoming like Jesus Christ. So redeem the season by following God's plan, which is your spiritual growth and your conformity to Jesus Christ. And last week we learned... Four things that are part of the process to growth. There are other things, but these happen to be in the text we're looking at in Ephesians. I'll just mention them by way of review. We saw, number one, in order to grow and to redeem the season to be in God's plan, you need to be in the Word. You need to be in God's Word to get instructions from Him, to have guidance. Number two, you need to be Spirit-filled. We saw the Spirit-filled, you need to desire it, you need to ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you, and then you yield to His filling. D-A-Y, every day, desire, ask, yield. A third thing we saw in the text of Ephesians, to be melodious. Have your heart filled with melody, not bitterness. Speaking to one another another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. And the fourth thing we saw is you need to be praying. We are in a spiritual battle, a warfare. That's why things are bad. The devil's out to get us. He's out to destroy his church. And the way we fight 
an invisible enemy is through prayer, by praying we saw in Ephesians chapter 6. Well, let's go back to Andrew and Zoe, the first worldwide pandemic. All of you know this couple, but you know them by their Hebrew names, not their Greek names. Their Hebrew names, of course, are Adam and Eve. Their Greek names would be equivalent, would be Andrew and Zoe. And I think it's important that we don't overlook the fact that Adam and Eve lived during the only true pandemic. It was the first, and it was the worst. Our English word pandemic comes from the Greek word um, pandemos, and pandemos is two Greek words put together. Pond means all, and themos means people, so a pandemic is on all the people, everyone. And epidemic, which is also Greek, means upon people. It's smaller, it's not a bad, it's it's on people, but the only true pandemic where every single person was affected was the one created by Adam and Eve when they disobeyed God and sin entered the human race and death came about because of sin. The very first pandemic was the very worst pandemic and the government promised to cure and because it was a theocracy, God was the government and he promised a cure to the pandemic and it's a cure that evangelists, I mean, uh, that uh, theologians call the proto-evangelium. And proto-evangelium is probably not a word you use a lot, but it's Greek for first good news. And the first good news in a world pandemic was given to Adam and Eve after they had literally ruined everything. Well, wouldn't you like some good news after you've literally ruined everything? Wouldn't you like some good news now in the midst of what we call a pandemic? You can say yes. I want some good news. <laughs> well, the good news is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And it's in cryptic fashion. So they may not have fully understood what was being said, but we can read back and understand it. And in Genesis 3.15, God says, And I, God, and he's speaking to Satan, will put enmity between you, the devil or Satan, and the woman, and between your seed, some people think that might be the Antichrist, we don't know for sure, and her seed, women don't have seed, men have seed, so this might be a reference to the virgin birth and the birth of Jesus Christ. And he, Jesus, shall bruise you, the devil, on the head. That is a fatal blow, like stepping on the serpent's head with your heel, but he bites you as you do so, because, and you, the devil, shall bruise him on the heel, bruise Jesus on the heel. And this is referring to the crucifixion, that Christ was injured by the devil, but it wasn't fatal, but it was fatal for the devil, and that's the cure to the pandemic that started because Adam and Eve sinned and brought death to the entire human race. And God's promise in a pandemic, which, which was the first and the worst, is this. Here is the promise, if you're taking notes. And don't miss this. We win. We win. The devil doesn't win. He may bite you on the heel, but his head is crushed. It was all predetermined. It's a plan 
for us to be conformed to the image of Christ. And that is the cure to every sin, is Jesus Christ. The first sin was the seed that produced all diseases and all tragedies and all deaths. The first was the worst pandemic. And God promises a cure that we win, and we win big, and we win through Jesus Christ. That's the plan. I hadn't thought about before, but before Adam and Eve sinned, they were like Jesus Christ. They were like Jesus in his perfect humanity. That's how we were meant to live. Perfect and sinless. Without worry and fear and heartache and tears and pain and disease and death. And Satan thought that he had succeeded. But he didn't. Because Jesus is the cure. And though sin from this pandemic, kills every single one of us. And sin even killed Jesus, though he hadn't sinned. He died for our sins. Jesus defeated death. He paid for sins, and we win, and that is the cure. And it's a beautiful thing. When you watch a pre-recorded, pre-recorded football game, the winner has already been decided. But if you haven't seen the game and you're watching it and you don't know who wins, whatever happens on the field, you might cheer and you might, or jeer, you, you might be triumphant or you might have agony. But regardless of what you see happening on the field, regardless of who gets injured, regardless of the plays, the winner has already been determined because it was pre-recorded. You just don't know it. And God tells us that we win. He tells us the end of the game. Regardless what happens during the game, we win. And we win big. It's predetermined. That's the plan. And he's driving us toward Christ's likeness, and he uses everything that happens on the field, good and bad, to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. I have a prescription for you, if you're looking at your notes, and the prescription is this. Don't be afraid to live. During this COVID season, I think some of us, some of you perhaps, have been afraid to live. It says in the book of Psalms 23, I'm just going to read verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It kind of feels like that now, especially when you're walking around everywhere in masks, you know, their heads are down. I feel like the valley of the shadow of death. He says, I fear no evil. I'm not afraid of it. For thou, God, art with me. They rod and they staff, they comfort me. The news, the government, your friends, maybe your own family, certainly the devil can get us afraid to even live. 
Consider Adam and Eve for a moment. They're without, without a doubt the most influential couple who has ever lived. They have influenced every single person who has ever been on the planet. And yet, we know almost nothing about them. If you go through your Bible and look at Adam and Eve, about the only thing we know about them is their biggest mistake. I wouldn't want to be them in heaven when we show up. I mean, everybody who meets them goes, oh, so you're Adam and Eve. I mean, we only know one thing about them. <laughs> they ruined everything. We know their worst mistake. And their sin brought death. But Adam and Eve had no idea how long they would live. Think about that. They're the first people. And God says, you blew it, and you blew it big, and you're going to die. Do you think they stayed awake all night, wondering if they're going to die? I think they may have. They may not have slept for days. Is this it? In weeks. I mean, they had no idea how long they would live. So I think they just curled up in little balls and didn't do a thing. I don't think so. Because at 130, they had a son named Seth. And Adam lived to 930. We don't know how long Eve lived, but he, Adam lived to 930 years old. He lived. Even though he had a sentence of death on him, he lived. And apparently he lived well. They chose to live. Don't be afraid to live. You're less likely to get COVID if you never leave your house. And especially if you live alone. You're less likely to get in a car accident if you never get in a car. You're less likely to get in a motorcycle accident if you never get on a motorcycle. And if you work in the ER, you probably never will get on a motorcycle because you see what happens when you have an accident. You're less likely to choke on an olive if you never eat olives. But you should eat olives, and especially Kalamata olives. God doesn't want us to be afraid to live. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, because thou art with me. You and I have nothing to be afraid of, even in a pandemic, which isn't the worst, because the first was the worst. So I give you a second principle. Life is risky. Live anyway. Life is risky. Live anyway. The power saw I showed the kids is risky. But I use it anyway. I just take precautions. I'm careful. And the same should be true of life. I'm not asking you to take unnecessary risks. And if you're watching online and you shouldn't go out of your house and you have health concerns and you shouldn't leave, I'm not telling you to leave. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we do not live in fear. Because God walks with us. In the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, Apostle Paul was in one of his imprisonments. He had many of them, and he didn't know if he was going to live or die. And so in Philippians 1.20, he says, According to my earnest expectation and hope that I shall not be put to shame in anything, 
He wants to live for Christ no matter what happens. But that with all boldness, Christ shall even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. It's about giving Jesus glory whether you live or you die. He gets the glory. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So what's COVID about? It's about living for Jesus. You, you may get COVID. You might be hospitalized. You might die of COVID. But the question is, did you live for Jesus? Because death may be the end of our race, but it's the beginning of the celebration of having lived for Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid to live. Because every one of you is already infected from the first pandemic. And every one of you is going to die. And Jesus Christ is the cure to the first and the worst pandemic. And he's the answer for now. Would you pray with me? I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and even if you're watching online, if you would do so as I pray. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, as you listen, I want to ask you, have you taken the cure? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you recognized He died for your sins, that He conquered death, He rose from the grave, and have you asked Him to save you? If you haven't, you can just speak out to Him, and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and save me. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. We thank you, Lord, that you, your perfect love, casts out all fear. We thank you, Lord, that you are the cure to all the evil that sin brings. We love you, Jesus, and we ask that you would help us to live for you. And we pray these things in your beautiful name. Amen.